Hey, this is Zach Catanzaro. And I'm Walker Lukens. We're the hosts of Song Confessional, the only podcast where today's top songwriters turn your anonymous stories into original songs. This week, we've got a salacious tale of train platforms and anonymous hookups. Austin songstress Buffalo Hunt transforms the confession into a cinematic indie pop gem, exploring the dark pleasures of our bad decisions. Listen to Song Confessional at KUTX.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. From KUT and KUTX Studios. Hello and welcome to This Song, the podcast where artists talk about the songs that changed their lives. I'm your host, Elizabeth McQueen, and before I get started, I wanted to let you know that you'll be hearing a bunch of song clips, but no full songs, which can be frustrating. But if you want to hear a song all the way through, all you have to do is head over to the page for this episode on the KTX website. There you'll find a Spotify playlist where we'll have all the songs mentioned during this interview. We've got you covered. In this episode of this song, we're going to be talking to Tomar Williams and Paul Kresowick of the Austin band Tomar and the FCs. Tomar is the lead singer and songwriter, and Paul is the drummer. And the band has a new record called Heart Attack. It came out late last year, and it's great. They play soul music that sounds rooted yet current and makes you want to dance for real. They're our Artist of the Month here at KUTX, the radio station where we make this podcast. And as part of their Artist of the Month festivities, Tomar and Paul came into KUTX and told me about songs that started them on the road to making the music that they make. So here they are, Tomar and the FCs, or I guess I should say Tomar and the FC singular. I don't know. Anyway. Here are Tomar and Paul. You know, uh, there are so many songs, and uh, but I can honestly say there was this one song. Growing up, uh, my sister, my, my second to the oldest sister, she was in high school when I was in elementary, and she was a singer and performer, and she used to do all these pageants. And... This one day, she was uh, in the living room, and I was there listening to this record. Uh, it's called Ben by uh, Michael Jackson. It's about a rat. Ben, the two of us need look no more. We both found what we were looking for. I was in there listening to this record, and because I had saw the movie, you know, prior, and it just intrigued me, man. And uh, so... I started singing along with the record, and my sister, she walks into the living room, and she was like, whoa, and she turned the record off. She said, now go ahead, start all over again. I didn't know what was going on. I'm like, did I mess up? I, I, I know this is your record player. Say, no, 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 no. So she had me start over, and I started singing it again, and she taught me how to sing. And she realized that I actually had something, and I didn't even know what the hell I was doing, but I, I was having fun just doing Michael Jackson. <laughs> so Ben, you know, a rat, Michael Jackson, I'm going to tell you, man, you changed my life, because I probably would have been like, you know, 
I don't know. Skydiving for them. I don't know, man. <laughs> It, wait, is it a rat or a mouse? It's a rat. It was a ben rat. Ben is a rat? Ben is a rat that lived in the, the subway <laughs> <laughs> transit. And it was like a real, it wasn't a, a, a animation. It was a real movie, man. And this little kid and that rat became best friends. <laughs> and they knew does each the, other. Does a rat talk? You know, they talk they talk a certain language between them two that we don't even understand to this day, you know? And it was intriguing, like, man, how can you communicate with a rat in the subway? Because, you know, in New York, those rats are not, they're not, you know. They're cat size. They're cat size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. it would have scared the crap out of me. <laughs> well, going back to the song, Ben, <laughs> not the movie, Ben, which I guess, I guess I've never seen the movie, so I just assumed... It was about a mouse, but it's about a rat. It's about a rat. Well, I mean, you said you didn't really know what was going on at the time. Yeah. But did you... No, I did not. Was there a... Did you feel like an enjoyment from singing from that early? Like, from that time on, was it like, <laughs> were you just singing, singing, singing? You know what? Actually, I, I did not really start back singing until I was about 11 years old, and um, my, my, my dad... Went to a pawn shop and bought a bunch of uh, uh, instruments, and I have three other brothers, and we're all close in age, and we just started just, you know, hitting every little instrument in the garage, and I wound up, I think, strapping the guitar around me, and I was the drummer first, but then he was like, son, you're the singer, you can't play drums and sing. And your pops, he was like, you know, not Joe Jackson, he was the nice Joe Jackson, y'all. Okay. <laughs> I was gonna say I was I was starting to yeah. say Jackson Five, uh, Jack, <laughs> Jackson, yeah, the Williams Three, the Williams Four, actually, four. <laughs> yeah, it was four of us, you know, four knuckleheads. And the cool thing is that I I worked it out, and my very first song that I wrote, and I I'm gonna say this here, in excess, I think you ripped me off. I wrote this song back in 1980, and the the title is called "You Never Satisfied." And, you know, I'm 11 years old. What the hell I'm singing about a song you never satisfy, you know? Yeah. You know, it was a relationship song. And there's a riff that I would I was playing bass and singing lead on this song. And the little riff on the bass is... No! <laughs> Never satisfy what I do for you. And years later, back in what, 1985, 86, 87, actually, when yeah. that song hit big, my mom freaked out because you never satisfy. But that's my baby. That's his <laughs> song. So when she heard it on the radio, she thought that they ripped me off. <laughs> and I started to think so too. I said, hold on, man, I need to call these guys. <laughs> Get my check in the mailbox, you know? <laughs> so you've, you've been playing music. For real, since you were like eleven, yeah. and writing songs, <laughs> You're writing songs, you know, writing, like, attempting good, to write songs, yeah, good catchy songs that somehow <laughs> end up on the radio, <laughs> done by bands. That... We didn't know what we were doing. We were just in the garage having fun, man. You know, so we knew if we throw a few bowls of spaghetti against the wall, something's gonna stick. You know, so yeah, apparently. <laughs> and you've been making music like since you were eleven, right? You've done yeah. a lot of production, mm -hmm. and is Tomar 
in the FCs? Is it the the first time that you've since the Williams five, four that you fronted the band? You know what? That uh, my brothers and I we did have a band called Six A.M. and we were doing really well in the '90s and stuff. We were writing songs and recording albums. We had a potential deal with RCA Records, and it fell through at the last second. But fast forward to where we are now. I laid off and just started doing a lot of production, hip-hop production with my brothers. And we formulated a production team called Carnival Beats, which produced a lot of records that came out of Houston, like Mike Jones, Still Tipping. Back then, Paul Wall, City Sideways. Empire Wild, baby. It's the people's champ. I'm some like a bowler. The candy paint dripping out for the old school Impala. I'm with the big, big mode. I mean, it's so many records that came out of Houston that we actually were, you know, spearheading. And. So it was great. It was great. I mean, I love hip hop because I always say my generation, we invented hip hop, you know. Then I was playing with, you know, Latasha Lee and the Black Ties. I was the keyboard player, MD, and backup singer. And I did that for two years. You know, basically, where we are now, my wife, she was like, you know, I really would love to see you get back, you know, front and center and, and just hit those vocals again and just do you, you know. And I met Nicholas, the horn player, from, uh, I guess he used to connect with Paul on some projects. And he was connecting with us as well with the Latasha Lee and the Black Ties. And he kept saying, man, I got a group of cats, man. They're looking for a singer, man. And... You gotta come by, man. Just hang out. Oh yeah, just just one rehearsal tomorrow. If you don't like it, you can just back out. I'm like, all right. So, went to rehearsal and uh, went to the music lab, and we hit the first tune. And I think Paul said it earlier. He's like, man, I think we got something. And I was freaking out because these cats, man, Paul, Mitch. David, you know, Andy, I mean, these guys, Nicholas, these guys were sick with it. I mean, like, the rhythm section was killing. And I was like, man, if we start writing songs together, and I said this when I went home later that night, I was like, this is going to be epic, you know. So I knew it was I knew it was something that we, you know, had to do. So just like your sister hearing you, when you heard the band, the you band. were like, "This is it. This I is think it. this is this is something." It's yeah, it's hard to find that in Austin. Yeah, it's hard to find. It's hard to cats. find that in life, like people that you can connect with creatively oh, yeah. and make I play something. With so many cats here in the city, and uh, to connect on a original level, it's it's you know a whole other level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, hey, I'm glad your sister. I'm glad your sister knew what was up. You yeah, know? me yeah. too. What what about you? I mean, you can you tell me about a song that absolutely. So I'm gonna do this in a little bit of a meandering way. So I apologize. Okay. Okay. So the the song that's equivalent to Tomar, which I'm not gonna pick. So I'm gonna do two, and then I'll do the one that I'll pick. 
But um, I remember I heard uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers under the bridge. But uh, I remember that was the first song that really hit me, and uh, so that that caught me. But I was a jazz nerd when I was uh, younger. My best friend is a, a wonderful keyboard player, and uh, Andrew Page, who now lives in Taiwan. But um, he was a, a jazz kid, his and a classical musician as well. His dad's an amazing piano player, so he grew up legit music, you know, practicing a couple hours a day, learning all kinds of stuff. And so he was learning to play jazz, and I was really into rock, uh, alternative rock in the 90s, you know, Nirvana, uh, Smashing Pumpkins. And he, um, one day, um, we uh, got some Taco Bell. Sorry that that happened. But (laughs) his dad had a really amazing record collection and uh, amazing speakers. And we went back to his house, and he had black lights, and he put on Kind of Blue, the Miles Davis record. hated jazz because I was a rock guy so I was like jazz it's uh but it it just hit me in that moment and so I became a huge jazz nerd did that for many years and still love jazz but uh I uh joined a soul band called the Diplomats of Solid Sound their wonderful drummer Jim Viner didn't want to tour anymore and so I started learning about soul music and it took a minute for it to really make sense to me but um I think there's a song, um, Soul Man by Sam and Dave. And uh, Al Jackson Jr. plays on that record. And he's a drummer that played on a lot of the stack stuff. And he has this pocket that's just, inc- I mean, it just brings everyone together and it's interesting and it's got this groove and it that that really uh it spoke to me so so what about what about soul music kind of didn't make sense before you heard it in jazz, you know, it's a lot of interaction. You can do that to an extent in soul music, but it's more about the groove. And it's not that soul music didn't make sense to me. I really, I mean, I always was drawn to it. It's just as far as actually playing it, um, I had to cut out some of the nonsense that I would play, you know. And uh, instead of really thinking about the interaction point, which is a beautiful thing about jazz, just playing towards the song and doing, not calling attention to myself, and just making sure the groove was really solid and I was playing just what the song needed. Al Jackson, just anything he played on, I mean, he's he's a master. So, and I'm married to a drummer, but not everyone is married to a drummer. So, um... <laughs> And I think that the idea of 
of a pocket or like playing in a pocket is it's not actually something that a lot of people sure. maybe understand. So maybe for people out there who aren't drummers or aren't married to drummers, like could you kind of explain this idea of what what it what that is? Absolutely, I can try. So the way I would describe it, I think we've all had the experience of listening to a band or listening to a record where our foot will start tapping or we'll start moving or dancing and we're drawn to this magnetism of a groove being together. It just speaks to us. And musician lingo, that would mean that the song has a good pocket, as in if you think of um, a pocket, things can fit in there. It's got a nice, you know, you can put your cell phone in there, your wallet. And as a musician, if the drummer's got a good pocket, you don't have to be worried about where to put things. You know, if you've got no pocket and you've got your cell phone, you're like, oh, man, where am I going to put this? Or if you're a singer and you're singing, you know, a chorus or something, if you've got to be worried about where that's going to fit, it makes you nervous. You, But if you've got that pocket in there, you're comfortable. Everything's where it's supposed to be. And you can just do your thing and not have to worry about it. I don't know. I think a pocket, you were talking about interaction on, in jazz. And I think that a pocket creates connection. Yeah. It does. You know? Absolutely. Like it you're really actually does. all connected through rhythm. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Well said. Thank well you very said. much. All right. Maybe I just wanted to say what I thought of. No, no, yeah, no. no yeah. So so hearing the Sam and Dave song, it's like you, you heard, it's like, oh, that's what they're talking about. Like, that's what I need to do. Yeah. Because soul music is really about getting people to dance, right? Absolutely. Miss Walker can't hold water. It was only a matter of time for you to go your own line. Oh, baby, you got to change. I'm not that type of man. To this point, I've been so chill. And this is Heart Attack from Tomar and the FC's record of the same name. And like, man, I'm struck by those stories, especially the way that Tomar and Paul had these like two really distinct trajectories that ended up just kind of randomly intersecting. Like, there's Tomar as a kid singing Bin, which leads to him being in a band with his brothers, which leads to starting an iconic Houston hip-hop production team with his brothers, which leads him to producing Latasha Lee and being in her band, which leads him to Paul. And then there's Paul, who, like, gets into music through rock, falls deeply in love with music through jazz, and then starts to understand groove with soul music and then finds a partner in making music with Tomar. Is it fate? Is it random happenstance? Like, who knows? Whatever it is, it's beautiful. I'll post a link to Tomar and the FC's Artist of the Month page on the QTX website so that you can find out more about the band. Like, there you'll be able to find the audio of their Studio 1A show. Like, Studio 1A is our awesome live performance space here at KTX. And you'll be able to see a Viewhouse video from that set of their song, Do You Feel It? And just so you know, like while you're at KTX.org, like every month we focus on a different Austin artist and we do an in-studio and a My KTX and Song of the Day. And like, really, if you want to get a feel for what Austin music has to offer, you should totally check out the Tomar and the FC's Artist of the Month, but also like our Artist of the Month archives for real. (laughs) 
And that's it. You have come to the end of another episode of This Song. This song is a production of KUTX 98.9 in Austin, Texas. This episode was produced and edited by David Sanger and me, Elizabeth McQueen. Taylor Wallace curates our Instagram account and does an awesome job. And Kelly Seal is our excellent intern. Thanks to Deidre Gott and Peter Babb for all they do for this podcast. And it is true. Our theme song is Mahout by Austin's own Hard Proof. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat. Our handle is at this song KUTX. You can like us on Facebook and you can subscribe to this song along with the other KUTX podcasts, Austin Music Minute, Liner Notes, and Song of the Day on iTunes. And if you're subscribing to this song, well, we'd really love it if you left a rating or a review. Right on. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time.